Coming to you from somewhere along the Ohio-West Virginia border, welcome hitchhikers to Nostalgia Highway, the movies you know from the guys you don't, or the no-frills bi-weekly movie review podcast, where we are bringing to you the first of two movies voted by you for the first ever Hitchhiker's Choice Month here on the highway. In early June, we asked you all for that one movie you'd want to hear us review, and then we randomly placed all these selections, which, by the way, we had a great mixture of movies from all sorts of genres from three different decades. We put them all into this bracket challenge that ran from June 14th to 28th on Facebook, with the final two movies standing becoming the official reviews for the month. So let's get right into tonight's review. I am your host, the Mayor Matt Logston, and joining me for episode 42 out here on the highway are my co-hosts, who don't need to ask what's in the box. I am Dave Gang of the Road. <laughs> I am the Lord Ketchum. Alright, so this movie, which was chosen by Adam Parsons, beat out Rob Zombie's House of a Thousand Corpses in the Hitchhiker's Choice Final Four bracket. That was pretty crazy. Yep. Hey, man. The there was a lot of... Hitchhikers have spoken. Good job. Yeah, that was that was interesting to see how that unfolded because there were some, what I, in my mind, I thought there were some upsets. Yeah, definitely. But tonight's review is David Fincher's Seven from 1995. Roger Murtaugh clone William Somerset is a short-timer as a Metropolitan Police Detective. David Mills is an ambitious yet green-behind-the-ears transferee that becomes Somerset's new partner for the next few days to work on a new Seven Deadly Sins serial killer case. John Doe is a sick and twisted mofo that has taken his beliefs a few steps too far to get people's attention. Who will come out ahead in this deadly game of cat and mouse? I definitely know somebody who's not going to be coming out ahead. Right? Mm. Definitely going to be Gwyneth Paltrow. You picked up all my, uh, <laughs> my subtlety right there, didn't you? With that being said, uh, we're... We're going to have spoilers in this podcast. <laughs> spoilers ahead. This was directed by David Fincher, starring Morgan Freeman as Detective William Somerset, Brad Pitt as Detective David Mills, Kevin Spacey as John Doe, and Gwyneth Paltrow as Tracy Mills. So in the beginning credits of this movie, they don't put Kevin Spacey's name in the credits. Right. So they can maintain the mystery of who the killer is going to be. Ambiguity. Yeah, Ambiguity. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I, I honestly, in today's society, it would never happen. I don't know why it wouldn't. It's uh, a fucking great strategy. No, I do too. I it's it's genius. I yeah. I mean, I thought it was. If I made movies, I think I'd want to do that. But the that way everything's out on the internet and there's spoil, there's leaks guess, and everything. Yeah. I mean, I I don't think this would have worked today. I think everybody would have known. Oh, Kevin Spacey's in this. Right. Oh, he's probably going to be the killer. Right. I like how the beginning of the Law and Order episodes, you know, they're playing all the credits and yeah. everything while the show's going on, and all of a sudden it's with special appearance by, yeah, and you know that's going to be the person who's yeah, it's the total bad guy away. and shit. You right. know, so, yeah, I appreciated what Fincher did here. But it's interesting with actually the all four actors that I just mentioned, they're all Oscar winners. Hell yeah. Well, this movie is. Mm, Damn good. It is. Yeah. This is rated R with a runtime of two hours and seven minutes. It was released September 22nd, 1995 on an estimated $33 million budget. It made over $100 million in the United States and made over $327 million worldwide. Coincidentally, making it the seventh highest grossing film of 1995. Dude, 95 was a really good year for a lot of these actors. Yeah. 
the the '90s was a nice year for movies too. Yeah, not it, horror necessarily. But no, but for, for thrillers, up in the and, ante for crime thrillers, action movies. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it really was. I mean, I I still, it's I I can't. I can't get away from the 80s. I'm sorry. Right, sure. You know, but the 90s were pretty damn good. Yeah. Just They delivered a lot of gems. Yeah. Well, Cohen's a crime thriller then, right? Absolutely. Yeah, psychological crime thriller type. I don't want to put too many names on it. I just wanted to get it out there real quick. Is it a (laughs) I don't think it's a crime thriller. I don't think this is horror. I call it a crime horror. I said No, I just, I kind of feel like that was the thing. It's a crime caper. A thriller is the in-between, a horror and a drama. Okay. I agree. All right. That's why I call it a crime thriller. Nice. Okay. Crime thriller. In case anybody cares what category this is in. (laughs) Crime thriller it is. (laughs) The king has declared it. But on IMDb, this is an 8.6 out of 10 with a Rotten Tomatoes score of 81% and an audience score of 95%. Hell yeah. Nice. The people love it. That's oh, yeah. why they chose us. Yeah. Makes sense. So we can review it. But this is streaming nowhere currently, but you can rent or buy it on Amazon Prime for $3.99. Well worth it. I own this on DVD. Yeah, me too. You got it on DVD? Oh, dude, I got it on Blu-ray. We don't got it it was in the it was in the three ninety nine bin when uh, buybacks was closing out <laughs> on Blu Ray. Oh yeah, for real? Shit, that's they were awesome. Closing out, man. They had to get rid of their stuff. Liquidation. That's what it was. Nice. <laughs> as Somerset first lists the seven deadly sins, he looks directly at Mills as he names the final deadly sin, envy. Clearly foreshadowing that Mills will eventually become the subject of John Doe's envy. Yeah. Yeah. This movie is full of uh, subtleties and foreshadowing, and oh, I yeah. love that. It's those little details that, yeah. it I, honestly, I think you can argue that that is what makes this movie Absolutely. so special. Yeah, I mean, I'm as the viewer narrowing down what sins are left as each one comes to pass. You know, you're right. like, okay, what's next? Okay, we got this, this, and this. So. Yeah, when we get to where there's envy and wrath left, mm-hmm. you're like, okay, and then it starts. You're you're fitting Piecing shit together. It together, right? Yep. Director David Fincher wanted someone who was incredibly skinny, around ninety pounds, to play Victor, the sloth victim. When Michael Reed McKay auditioned, he weighed in at a whopping ninety-six pounds. Wow. Call him the old ninety-sixer. <laughs> nice. Fincher gave him the part and jokingly told him to lose some more weight. Well, Fincher, very surprised by McKay because he had lost another six pounds by the time they filmed. Hmm. Wow. So he was 90 pounds. How do you even survive like that? I mean, that is, that's incredible. I mean, we, you actually, you got to meet him at yeah, a yeah. for He's the Monster Squad skinny. reunion. Yeah, it was he awesome. He didn't put on any weight? I, yeah, I'd say he put on a little bit of weight, but I mean, the dude doesn't weigh no more than, I'd say, buck 20. Okay. You know? He looked healthy, though. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, he's a small cool. guy, you yeah. know. So he didn't look healthy in this movie. No, no. not at all. <laughs> <laughs> not for yeah. a second. Dude, when not it, for a second he did. This right. first time, first time around watching this, I was 11 years old. Um, this scene fucked me up a little bit, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that fucking flipped me out when he jolted up, you know. And then, right. and then, you know, John C. McGinley was, you know, backing up and. And he said, like, the cocksucker's alive. Dude, I thought that <laughs> Victor was the one who was saying that, actually. I don't I, I, couldn't, I don't know why, but I was, 
I don't know. I just placed it like that. It was, it was so weird. I don't know. Honestly, I was I was shocked in that moment so much that I was like not even paying attention to who was saying what. I was just like, holy shit, that guy's fucking alive. <laughs> right. Shit, dude. <laughs> Nothing else come to, like, anything they were talking about was irrelevant. And the like, performance is so good by McKay that, like, for the longest time, I thought it was like an animatronic because it was so, right. like, disoriented, robotic. and I could see that, yeah. You know, but total credit to him. Just an incredible, creepy... Oh, man. I mean, okay... Where's this ranking jump scares with you guys? Oh, hi. Yeah. Hi, yeah. Top boys. 10? Absolutely. Ah, I mean, top. Definitely. I, I I don't know where it ranks, to be honest. So I'm sure. going to say a safe top 20. Okay. Oh, it's, That's safe. That's pretty top 10 for me. <laughs> okay, I don't know. right on. I'd it say might edge into the top I need, to, I need to sit down. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. You don't yeah. see it coming. You don't see it coming. No, you don't. Yeah, when I was 11, I jumped. So. Yeah, no doubt. I'd say top 15 for me, easy. And uh, I guess when they were filming that scene that the the SWAT officers, mainly John C. McGinley, uh, they did not. They were told mm. that Victor was dead. So that's awesome. That was all good job on genuine. Yeah, good job on Fincher for the reaction. Dude. Yeah, dude, that, and that's shit. that's awesome. I, I love it when directors do that. <laughs> I bet you McGinley was pissed. <laughs> Honestly, I think he would have been after it was all said and done. He was he was all for it, just fair game, man. Honestly, because he just seems like that type of guy, man. (laughs) He he's such a good actor, and no, but that 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 scene is. You should hear him. It feels real. You should hear him do the interview for Platoon. Um, They did a big interview for with all the actors from the shit and um, McGinley, man. He he did. He's got a lot to say about it and stuff. Um, So I could see him the way he. The way things transpired on the set of Platoon, with that, with this happening, yeah, I could definitely see him being pissed for at the moment, you know. So maybe in the moment, yeah, at the moment. For honestly, sure. in retrospect, he's like, oh yeah, that's gold. Yeah, it's dude, fucking gold. Absolutely, yeah, it's incredible. So the diner that Somerset and Tracy they meet at, it's actually called the Quality Coffee Shop in downtown Los Angeles, is hmm. the same diner that Denzel Washington and Ethan Hawke meet up in. In Training Day from 2001, doubled down on this fact, same exact booth. Boom! <laughs> Nugget! Alright. Hell yeah, that's awesome. Mark. I love Training Day. Yeah, that's, that's, that's my an schnitt. Incredible. That is a. Yeah. If I want to get gangster with it, <laughs> dude, that, that's the shit I watch. <laughs> dude, that, that might be my favorite Denzel Washington movie. Right, yeah. It might be. It's in the same genre, you know. Yeah, it absolutely. A crime is. thriller. Yeah. Brad Pitt fell while filming the scene when Mills chases John Doe in the rain. His left arm went through a car windshield, requiring surgery. Coincidentally, the original script called for Mills to be injured during this sequence. Hmm. Well, worked have, out. Have fate be. Happy accident. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That would fucking hurt so bad. Go through a car windshield. Yeah. Ugh. Tempered glass, yeah, that's Ugh. that's got to be an impact. Mm. That's, I mean, I'm sure they filmed the following scene, you know, when he's up at John Doe's apartment. Right. He's about to kick in the door and shit, and Somerset's trying to stop him. Yeah, yeah, I, I, you know, he's all fucked up there, you know. I bet you that's his real blood. Mm. Maybe it's possible. I don't know. Could be. That was a good scene, though. I like the chase. Yeah. 
<laughs> I like the scene when he's at the door, man. And they're fucking, and he kicks it in, and he's just like, "Well, there's no really in point arguing now." Yeah. <laughs> Unless you can fix this. <laughs> Him and Morgan Freeman's rapport is really good in this. I mean, they seem it works. The chemistry's there. So, for preparation for his scene while being interrogated, Leland Orser, who was credited as the man in the massage parlor, he was the guy that wore the custom-made sex Gimmick? attachment. Gimmick? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh... <laughs> But he would breathe in and out so quickly, his body would be oversaturated with oxygen so that he had the ability to hyperventilate. And then he also deprived himself of sleep for a couple of days in order to give his character that distressed uh, appearance hmm. and look. And I'm going to tell you, dude, his Way to that commit. scene was really creepy as hell because like you get two glimpses of this Polaroid of whatever this thing is, and you're like, hmm. what the fuck is that? I can't see it. You know? Yeah, yeah. First time, first go around on it, I was like, "What the fuck is?" What that, did he dude? do? Yeah, well, I don't right. understand. I mean, okay, right. he fucked her. He fucked her, but it was with a with that strap on that was <laughs> okay. a blade. As oh, we shit. find out, that's what it was. So just some, yeah, just mm. wow, chopping yeah. up that gory, that's gory best stuff. Left the, the non-imagination, just don't even. I think that's worse try. than the hot curling iron up the hoo ha and yeah. sleepaway camp, man. There's yeah, certain things you just absolutely. don't try to imagine, and that's one of them. Yeah, that's just that. awful. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, ab- like you said, Lord, Leland Dorser, I hit such a brief appearance in this movie, but I, I I would have to say arguably one of the best moments in this movie. Oh, absolutely, dude. Because it's so intense. The music's fucking yeah. so loud, dude. And, and you don't know what's happening, yeah. and you don't know what... Yeah, it's Quick just change it's of pace. Yeah, yeah. you're... He's like, get the fuck out of here! You know, right? that's just chaos. It's pure yeah. chaos. I like this the whole way this movie movies. escalates. It, yeah, it escalates at a nice pace. Yeah. Like, the whole movie's chaos and yeah. dark and gray and just shitty and hell. rainy and just right. shit, dude. Yep. Yeah. And it's a long movie, but even at the point when you get the reveal of your killer, it's like that seems almost too soon. You're like shocked that oh my god, this is this is already the finale. I mean, we're we're at the yeah, but you got like. But yeah, it's but you're not. It's like another forty. You're not minutes, even. A, you know? Yeah, you're. It's yeah. Tip of the iceberg. Yeah. It's a unique movie in the way it's uh, delivered. Mm-hmm. I think in that regard. Yeah, I agree. In the final act of the film, the characters that Brad Pitt and Kevin Spacey play are at odds with each other in a deadly game that Spacey's John Doe character eventually will win. This same year, both Pitt and Spacey were in competition at the Oscars in the Best Supporting Actor category. Pitt was nominated for his role of Jeffrey Goins in Terry Gilliman's Twelve Monkeys, great movie, while Spacey ended up winning for his role as Verbal Kent in Brian Singer's The Usual Suspects. Kaiser motherfucking Soze. Yeah. Mm. This was actually nominated for Best Editing at the 68th Academy Awards. It ended up losing to Apollo 13. Really? Yep. Wow. I like Apollo 13. Yeah. It's a good movie. Let me ask you how how do they determine who a best editor is? Because do they watch a cut of the film before it's edited and then view it after it's edited and determine that that guy really did a fucking great bang out job on editing that? These are the questions that need to be fucking asked. Yeah, because you're not wrong here. Because I've wondered the same thing. How is this exactly determined? What is the grading scale? And these critics get both cuts of all of the films that are nominated, <laughs> and they watch all of them? Man, I don't know. 
that's a that's a it's wild a job. Yeah. I mean, we need to get a hold of one of them and find out. Right. Alright. New Line execs initially wanted an alternate ending for the movie, but Brad Pitt flat out refused to make the film if the original ending was changed. Well, good on him. I don't know what the other ending was, but... Oh, you don't know? Do you know? Yeah. I do have... I would like to hear it. There were a couple. There were, like, some rewrites, and there was an alternate ending, the way I understood yeah. it. They had a lot of headaches, assholes, more shit in the fucking making of this way. I understand. A little bit. There there were some. Some hiccups. Yeah. Fincher had those problems. Possibly happy accidents. Yeah. I mean... Yeah, that's true. And he did Aliens 3. Yeah. He had nothing but fucking issues with that. Yeah, from what I understand, Sigourney Weaver was, uh, she was in his corner on that. She, yeah. And uh, I'll Maybe be honest with you. The director's supposed to direct. Yeah. Studio so. exec, stay the fuck off the fucking, yeah. just stop. Yeah, I hear you, man, because I'll be honest with you. I mean, for what it's worth, I do like Alien 3. I know it's not I like perfect. the idea of Alien yeah, 3. Yeah, it, I don't know. It's it, not executed well, though. No, I mean, clearly it's 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 a downgrade from the first two movies, but it's still, in my opinion, very watchable, and I find entertainment in it. <laughs> it's, uh, I like my shitty, you know, cheese and I everything, know, but man, fuck, it's, it's a hard watch for me sometimes. I hear you. That's fair. The CGI Alien's so bad. Yeah. So bad. You're in unknown territory for King of the Road. Uh, Alien 2 turned me off enough that I didn't need to finish him. <laughs> oh. it's, it's as laughable as Michael Myers' H2O fucking CGI mask. Mm. Yeah. It is, dude. Okay. Well, I got some nuggets. Anybody else got some nuggets for this? Any behind the scenes? Did you know? Oh, no. Throw a nugget. He's got a nugget. Do I have a nugget? Throw a nugget. Toss it into the fire. I don't know. I might have forgot my nugget. It'll come along throughout the show. Okay. Through the nugget cache. Yeah. yeah. Well, I got one here. So, just know that this list of actors and, uh, well, one actress that turned down roles in this movie. It's pretty impressive. Christina Applegate turned down the role of Tracy. Val Kilmer turned down the role of John Doe. Guillermo del Toro and David Cronenberg turned down the opportunity to direct this. Really? Yes. Cronenberg. That would have been an interesting choice. I agree. That would have been very, very interesting. Yeah. How darker and bleaker would it have been? Because this is already pretty damn dark and bleak. Oh, yeah, dude. Denzel Washington turned down the role of Mills. He had stated with, uh, I think it was Entertainment Weekly, that it was too dark and evil and has since regret. Sure. Uh, passing on it after a screening. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a good role. Yeah. Sylvester Stallone also regrettably turned down the role of Mills. I don't like that. I don't either. That's it not doesn't good, fit. Yeah. It doesn't fit the relationship with Somerset. Did Mills. he turn it down or did he let him go? The way I understood it, he <laughs> turned it down and it was one of those like, ah, I wish I would have done that. So, hmm. but what do you got on Al Pacino? Well, Al Pacino, Robert Duvall, and Gene Hackman all turned down the role of Somerset. Pacino had filming conflicts with City Hall that came out in '96, yeah. hmm. and Hackman turned it down because there were too many night shoots. Yeah, yeah. we're really talking about Al Pacino here, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it'd been Who good. Cares? Yeah, it'd Al been Pacino? good. Yeah. It'd been good. I honestly. 
Duvall's third on my list, but Gene Hackman is very, very intriguing. Uh, eh. it, it's hard to see anybody yeah. else in these roles, though. To be it honest. Is. I agree. It is, but if I, you're I, if you're fantasy booking second cast, <laughs> second string here, yeah, right, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I mean, the the list of people that turned down roles in this was just that's it, it, there's some sure. mega oh, yeah. names here, you know. I mean, we almost had a completely different movie here from multiple angles. I mean, right? Yeah, it could have been a whole different ballgame. Yeah, absolutely. So I might have. I, I found my nugget. All right. There you go. So, you guys know how many times? Where'd you find Mill it? Mill shot Joe. Huh? I said, where'd you find it? As in my brains around somewhere. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> carry on. You guys know how many times Mill shot Joe? Six. Times. He shot him six times. I did not do a It wasn't count. seven times. It oh, wasn't seven. Shit. We have an it OG six. Halloween six count. <laughs> Hell yes. I did catch that this time. And he had I, a gun, I think, that that definitely had more than six shells. I agree. Because he had, it was a clip. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Six times. <laughs> I like it. Here's my nugget. <laughs> you made my taint tickle. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Right in the gooch. Oh, man. Oh, the gooch. That's a, that's a solid nugget in the gooch, man. <laughs> One of the fake heads of Gwyneth Paltrow that was created to be shown in the box ended up being used instead for an autopsy scene in the character that she played in the movie Contagion from 2011, hmm. 16 years later. Wow, and it was still intact and everything? Apparently. Hmm. It's pretty well cool. Made. Would you guys have liked to see the head? Absolutely. Yep. Well, there's a part of me thing, you can't though. You can't show it because you still don't know what's happening. I mean, you yeah. kind of you do get the gist of it, but well, sure. you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. But well, you get that real quick flash of her, right? Which I also I found out right. digging around. That that is with exactly seven minutes left in the movie. Oh yeah, yes. Oh nice. Yeah. Again, another little subtle. That's with credits cool. and everything. Yes. Yeah, yes. Sure. Absolutely. Okay. But. No, I. Nice. Yeah, I, I don't think you needed to see the head. You didn't. I think Brad Pitt's performance, the reaction, the 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 all the just the emotions that he's going through, just that's raw, unfiltered. They portrayed emotion. those emotions flawlessly. That that honestly, this was the movie that made me a believer in Brad Pitt as being an yeah. actor, not just a pretty boy. Yeah, I want to understand Brad Pitt. You know, this is his almost perfect movie. That's what he said. Yeah. Probably his favorite he's ever done. Yep. King, you got any nuggets? And I'm pretty sure Fincher told Fincher told uh, Spacey and and Pitt that, you know, this movie isn't gonna you're you're not gonna be fucking remembered for this. Oh shit. It's gonna be a movie you're proud of. Yeah, it's gonna be a movie you're proud of. Yep. Yep. Uh, that turned out that way. Well I remember we have Brad Pitt from this and shit. Yeah. So I would say this could be my first Brad Pitt exposure. This might be for me too, honestly. Oh my god! Yeah. Maybe Interview with the Vampire. No, I didn't see it three years later. That was what ninety four? No, 96? I'm not sure. Whatever. It was. I was late to the game on that one. Were you? Oh yeah. Okay. I was thirty. Did you ever see Cutting Class? No. No. I do no. want to see that. Okay. What is that? That's like eighty-seven. It's, kind of, like that, it's like it's a slasher, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. Set in mm. high school. But yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. That's a nugget on me. Huh? Yep. Check it out. Uh, interview with Vampire '94. You're before this. Okay. Yeah. All right. 
All right, I got a nugget. Michael Massey, he was credited as the man in the booth at the massage parlor. The way I understand it, he was kind of like the one that was running the place. Uh-huh, yeah. Okay. Either you guys familiar with him, know him from something? He is very familiar. I okay. don't quite All right. know where to place him. We yeah, got get him. ready to kick yourself. He played Fun Boy in The Crow from 94, which, if you're familiar, oh, no way. he was the one that pulled the trigger that yep. uh, had a lodge blank in the barrel that killed Brandon Lee, which is obviously martial arts legend Bruce Lee's sure. son. Yeah. And Massey was declared not at fault for what happened, but he was so shook up over the incident, he took a year off from acting. And uh, this was actually his first role after The Crow. And he was quoted as saying that, uh, I just took a year off and went back to New York and I didn't do anything. I didn't work. What happened to Brandon Lee was so tragic of an accident, I don't think you get over something like that. He actually passed away in October of 2016 at the age of 64 due to stomach cancer. No shit. Yeah. Well, that's fucking... Damn. Yeah. R.I.P. Fun Boy. Yeah, definitely. Dude. Yeah. Rest in peace. I couldn't imagine just... I'm trying yeah. to place him. I'm trying be, to... That'd be hard to live with. <laughs> Absolutely. I know him from something else. It's hard to live oh, with. Oh, yeah, he was, he's a character yeah. actor. I mean, yeah. He's been in, like, all kinds of stuff. I mean, he continued to work, you know, after what happened, but... It'd be hard to work with under normal conditions, but, I mean, being that someone was well-regarded and loved by millions, you know... Right. There's that pressure on you <laughs> mentally. Yep. That fucking people blame me. <laughs> there could be people out here wanting to kill me because of this. Right. Yeah. It's a mind fuck. Absolutely. So, since this was the Hitchhiker's Choice Month, Adam Parsons, who chose this movie, he asked us what was writer Andrew Kevin Walker's primary influence film screenplay. Actually, it ended up coming from his time spent in New York City while trying to make it as a screenwriter. And uh, he had a difficult time getting a studio to buy the rights to a script because he was a complete unknown in Hollywood. And allegedly, he put together a list of agents that represented writers that work in the crime and thriller genres and called each one until he got a positive response. He was quoted as saying, I didn't like my time in New York, but it's true that if I didn't live there, I probably wouldn't have written Seven. Mm. Adam also asked us, what was Somerset's deal with the persistent negative attitude? And I kind of feel like Walker's response here may kind of provide a little bit of insight to that question. And uh, maybe he gave Somerset some of his own personality. He's just been saturated in just darkness and Awful. greatness and just yeah. shitty lifestyle and just total chaos of the world. You just know? wears you down. Yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah he's sure. just he's a beaten soul, you know, and yeah. just wants to get out of the game. I agree. Well, Walker also, here's a nugget for you. Okay. His favorite, favorite uh, writer, uh, William Somerset, and he named the character. Oh, really? After his favorite oh, okay, writer. Okay, cool. Damn, Nugget. Is that, does that qualify as a nugget? That Absolutely. Yeah, I, I knew it was coming. There Absolutely. you go. I said to push. A little there more. It <laughs> there it is. All right, hitchhikers, we're going to take a moment here to share with you a podcast from some friends on Nostalgia Highway. A couple of mics on mics talking about everything wrestling. Do you like pro wrestling? Yeah. Are you tired of the same old recap podcast? Uh, duh. Do wrestling fans confuse you? More than you will ever know. Well, you're in luck. Join me, Mike J, 
and me, Mike S., every Saturday for the Drive-By Wrestling Podcast. Each week, we break down the ups and downs of main roster WWE and try to explain online fan outrage. And of course, we have the Wednesday Night War between NXT and AEW covered from our unique viewpoints. That's the Drive-By Wrestling Podcast every Saturday on iTunes, Spotify, and everywhere podcasts are found. Still breaking hearts and breaking kayfabe. Uh, I guess that is what we say. It is. See, yeah, listeners, don't kayfabe the fact that you watch wrestling along with watching movies and go check these guys out. All right, so I want to talk about Morgan Freeman's character, Detective Somerset, here. Uh, me, personally, I really appreciate Somerset's meticulous nature and his thirst for knowledge. Uh, I can He's appreciate it. I, I, I dig it. That checks out. He's old school. Uh, Fincher thought that Morgan would be the first to turn down the role because he figured it'd be you know too lowbrow for him, but he was actually the first one to join the cast. Hell yeah. You know, Somerset to me, I mean, he's just, he's an extremely good, but a world-weary cop, kind of how we kind of talked about. And it's kind of interesting because according to the Orthodox Christianity, despair is considered the eighth deadly sin. Hmm. And this kind of fits in with Somerset's attitude towards life, living in the big city. And uh, the other thing that I really appreciated about uh, Somerset's character was the uh, representation of the metronome. Um, because it's symbolic of patience and steadiness yeah. and making order from chaos. And then when he finally just chucks it across the room, it was like, that's it, it's broken. He, he's, he's breaking up. And I, I, this, this, I will say this, this is my favorite Morgan Freeman movie. Without really? question, I would say Shawshank Redemption. I, I really, I, Shawshank is too, yeah. but I, I don't know what it is about this character. I love it. I really love it. It works. The chemistry with him and Brad Pitt. Oh, it's just, yeah, it's on point. It's a flawless performance. Yeah, it's um, man, what a shitty way to close out your your final week of. It's worse than Roger Murtaugh's. Yeah. <laughs> oh, at yeah. least it's a little lighthearted right, at yeah. times because, you know, Riggs is a funny dude. There's no right. comedy here. No. Murtaugh always says, you know, I'm, I'm getting too old for this shit. He says it funny. But, you know, Morgan, you know, Somerset, if he said that, I would feel sorry for him, you know, instead of laughing <laughs> about it. Right. The guy's had it hard. And it seems like this, this shit happens all the time, you know, and... This is just this the, is once the final one. fucking straw. Well, and that's know? when he was, you know, talking to Arlie Ermey, who's the be. police captain. Yeah. He was like, he's like, not this one. He, he's not ready for this. Like, yeah. he, he knew. He already knew. Somerset knew from the fucking get-go. Gluttony's kill, or, you know, it wasn't gluttony yet until they found it behind the refrigerator, but obviously... But he was, figured it yeah, out, you like, know. This is Clearly, the him and John Doe were on the same level as far as a mental capacity. Yeah, you know, the where, intellect is... You know, it's it's right there, and I honestly. Somerset saw the wrath, and uh, yes, he did. Yeah, in his in his character. Yep. Now, and that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I think the the Somerset character here with Morgan Freeman, I, I I think it's it's that complex that I just I don't know. I really appreciate it, and right. I think I, I think this is my favorite Morgan Freeman performance. I hear you, man. Yeah, it's top three. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's so. easy. So Brad Pitt's portrayal as Detective David Mills 
the renegade, you know, fast up and coming. Oh yeah, rising the ranks detective. Um, He's putting man, he street. fucking he nailed it, dude. Yeah, it's there's not very much I can say about this movie that there's hardly any flaws to this one, you know. So I can see it being like a sophomore outing for Brad Pitt, but at the same time, it's a polished <laughs> sophomore outing. No, it's it it's good. good. Like yeah. I said, this was this was the movie where I started to you know take yeah. him seriously, you know. And yeah. Mills represents the detective. I would be more than likely, while Somerset represents the detective. I probably should be, and I sure. don't think Mills is a bad cop. He's just inexperienced and he's hard headed. And he's a loose cannon. A little bit under, and you know, obviously under certain predicaments. Sure, <laughs> he's going to fucking falter. Sure, yeah. He actually ended up earning $7 million for his role here. Should have gave him 10. There should have been a bonus. Yeah. Seriously. Residuals. I was watching this this morning, and I mentioned to the wife that we were reviewing this tonight. And I said, you've seen Seven, right? And she said, no, I've never seen it. And I'm like, wait. Oh, wow. I said, wait, what? <laughs> you right. seen Seven? Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh Sit your ass down. Yeah, we yeah we just finished you know morning chores. Let's take a break. <laughs> so we went and watched seven. Oh yeah, and uh, I can tell by her reaction. This was this was one she really enjoyed. Yeah, she's not gonna give too much away because we have this rivalry. You know who picks better movies, and if if I pick a movie that turns out to be something she loves, then sure, we don't want to have egg on her face. Is what I'm saying, right? So. She can't show her cards. She kayfabed it in wrestling terms. She <laughs> kept her cool and let me know that she loved it, like, out of the park. But I could tell she did. She oh, gave yeah. you a score on it? Nah, no. she wasn't going that far because then she would have showed too yeah, much of her hand. Much. Right. And she didn't want to lie about it. Well, I ended up watching this with Janelle, and I introduced this to her. And if I'm correct on this, this Rewatch. This was the second time she had seen it. And I told her, I was like, you know, give me a couple, you know, sentences. You know, just what you liked about the movie, what worked, you know, things like that. Well, I already showed you guys, and it's... Uh, you didn't say she sentences. Gave, she you gave asked you her a, a paragraph. She gave me she a gave me a, response. A Mayor Matt yes. Logston review. Response. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. This would uh, be considered a mini-review, I guess. <laughs> And uh, I don't know. We'll. Uh, I don't know. We'll we'll see how it goes here. But uh, she said that it was just the right amount of gore for her. Uh, she still wanted it to be a little disgusting, but realistic. She loves Morgan Freeman as the seasoned vet trying to retire. I do feel we got a little more personal with this character than necessary, but she didn't hate it. Brad Pitt was a little whiny. <laughs> Only cared about the head in the box because I like. Paltro, not because I cared about Pitt. So that's interesting. Oh, really? Spacey was incredible. He couldn't have possibly been any better. The entire scene with him in the backseat of the car was perfection. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We'll get to that here in a minute. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Uh, I felt that there were a lot of unrealistic finds, but that's a pet peeve of hers. Uh, One of the examples she gave was the attorney's wife had blood glasses on her picture, then pointed out the picture that was hanging upside down that led them to... Uh, uh, who was it? it was Victor Victor right? yeah the sloth fingerprints right yeah. uh, not only is this entire sequence unrealistic the wire on the back of the picture was repositioned to hang upside down she 
finds those details. Oh my god, are you serious? She, she, that she shit? finds those details annoying. Oh my god. And uh, same with the shards of plastic with the gluttony stomach from uh, being in the from moving the refrigerator. A little far fetched. Even that's the how you lead detective. to the next clue and shit. You know, that's how you lead to the next. No, thing, man. Come I on. I feel like she's nitpicking, but she said even you know the greatest detective in history wouldn't piece that together. Uh, the car air fresheners hanging from the ceiling over the sloth were a brilliant idea. This is just an unforgettable detail that will forever taint my perspective of those scented trees. <laughs> <laughs> my sick and twisted mind would have loved a little more detail involving the lust kill, simply because I found it more intriguing. Slightly <clears throat> disappointed we didn't see more on that, but again, I'm aware that I am demented. I don't think they're going to be showing thrashed up vag on the fucking <laughs> yeah on the screen, mm. right? You know. They wanted this to be a mainstream movie, not an underground movie. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, she also said that she would appreciate a little more backstory on how Spacey knew Pitt and why he and Pitt hit his life and his wife. If he'd been planning this series of murders over a year, apparently by the sloth, how did he know Pitt would move and finish his masterpiece? He didn't. You know, this that was... Happy was, accident? Yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of would agree with that. Yeah, but that's it's going that's to happen an to some, some detectives anyway. You know, it is going to happen to somebody. Yeah. And she follows it up with and ends it with the nostalgic aspect of this film certainly lies in the fact that the illegally obtained library records that lead the detectives to their suspect is a completely irrelevant method in 2020 yeah, because of the Patriot Act. They do that shit. Yeah. 2001 Patriot Act. Yep. Cops love it. Yeah. So general, general public hates it. <laughs> so there is Janelle. Uh, that is her synopsis that I asked for a few sentences of for this movie. This was 20 years ago I first viewed this. So refreshing today was more than refreshing. I didn't remember oh. the, the whole Man. Plot, you know crutch of this movie. So. Nice. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, it was it was fun. I envy you. You're like double dipping in life. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's why you're the king. It's it's the perfect. I've reached an age where I forgot enough about this movie that it's fresh again. Yeah. Hashtag senility. Yeah. (laughs) Senility wins when you're a movie fan. Oh yeah. I'm waiting for Back to the Future to come back around where it's new to me. (laughs) Because man, I remember loving that shit. Good luck. Oh yeah. That's awesome. So the dinner scene at the Mills residence is actually the only glimmer of light that you really get in this movie. Um, if you think about it, you know everything else is really shitty going on and just dreary. Where right. they're able to sit down, have a mm-hmm. meal, share a smile, share some wine, all that shit. You know, have a good laugh, which right. they never would, and never really has do. a good laugh. Yes, he did. Yeah. With the uh, vibrating house. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's funny. Vibrating house. But then, you know, yeah, that, that scene's just really well written and very fun. I agree. Which is good because later on in the diner scene with Somerset and Tracy, they it, it's very somber and it's, it's not good news at all. I mean, it kind of is, but it's she hates the city. She doesn't right. want to be a part of it. It's it's like she's been there five days or something like that. The yeah. city has already taken over her. You know, right. and it's just it destroyed everything she was. You yeah. know, it's that the the city is sickening. You know, in a way, it's yeah. sick and it's just it's a it's a 
pretty cool transformation, you know, throughout the film and everything. I don't know. Now, I'll be honest with you. I, I, I would have to agree because I feel like that dinner scene with that levity, that one moment of levity in this entire it's fucking a, It's movie. a light moment, it's I believe. It's a glimmer. Yeah. Uh, and, and the same with the diner scene, you know, the, the, the connections about with these people, you know, it, it's, it's not, they're not actors portraying people. These are real people. These, these two scenes, I feel like they're so critical because it, it adds that it realism. Yes, yes, exactly. It makes the movie more real. It makes these characters more real. Yeah. You care about these people. Yeah. You know, in those candid moments. <laughs> yeah, I 100% agree with you, man. Fincher, you know, just gives you that little glimmer of, you know, sunshine. and Which Brad Pitt said Gwyneth Paltrow is the only thing. She was the Pitt only ray of sunshine yeah, in this movie. It. Yeah, I mean, he's right. So, yeah, he is right. Absolutely. But, I mean, even that little bit of ray of sunshine got diminished <laughs> very quickly. You know, this is a rough week. Yeah, for, uh, oh the first God. first week of the job for the, for the Mills family. You don't say. <laughs> yep. So this is a question that's been asked with this movie quite a bit, and mm -hmm. I'll ask you guys this: What city does Seven take place in? Hell. It <laughs> takes place in hell. I would agree um, because I have not dissected a, this film as well, and I have stopped and <clears throat> tried to see. If there's any kind of city written on newspapers or anything like that on the chopper when it's taken off at the end of the movie, it just says police and then a bunch of jibber jabber shit on the side. I can tell you this movie is very vague. Yeah, I can yeah. tell you one thing: there's no uh, apartments in there with lights in them. Well, this, the this, mills this they have they have a. Well, I'm talking about the the apartments they go into to find these all corpses and shit. I mean, none of these places are lit. Right. <laughs> They're That's all. True. Dreadful and dark and dreary. I'll allow it though, man. It's so good though. Oh, it Fincher wanted to shoot it, but... a movie that was black and white but in color. Yeah. And I he achieved it, man. Hundred percent. This movie is a modern black and white film, dude. Imagine this shot in black and white, like, like a film noir yeah, type. Yeah, exactly. I hear you. Yeah, yeah. It's got that feel. Yeah. Well. This actually ended up setting an odd record when it was recognized by a uh, electronic trivia system used in the United States as a part of a question that was easily the most wrongly answered one in the system's history. The question was, what city does Seven take place in? Most respondents answered with New York City, with the remainder being divided between other northeastern cities including Chicago. Austin and Philadelphia. Okay. And only a few correctly answering that the location of the film is unspecified. Yeah, I could see like Chicago or something like that. Uh, it, I I feel it's it's in the Northeast yeah. for me. With all the rain and shit. Yeah. Okay. I, well, not so much like just the rain, just the feel, the atmosphere of it. I mean, I know there were portions of this that was filmed in California, but mm -hmm. it really felt like this was this was a New York yeah, or a New you. Jersey sure. type movie. Jersey, yeah, there you, you go. Know. Okay. But yeah, it's pretty interesting because like it, it, everything is very vague. Like you said with the helicopter with the the, the badge, it just said Metropolitan, yeah. you know, just really vague. It's it's oddly vague in certain aspects, but specifically detailed with other ones. Right. And it's 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 a neat mix. That's why I've said this place is just in hell. 
I agree because you know? I've I've been to New York City multiple times and I I've I been to no New York City when it rained and it sucks. I have too. It's yeah, shitty. it's awful. It could easily be the Bronx or Brooklyn. Yeah, I I have no desire to ever go back again. I I honestly I don't see the appeal of it. I mean, as a visitor, it's I mean, yeah, experience it. Go, yeah. absolutely. Going back a second time, ugh, no. <laughs> I'm a spectator. I like it. Bright lights and fancy. I hear you. Video screens, bullshit. You've been to New York? Buildings. Oh yeah, yeah, a couple times. Oh. I'm fascinated by it. It's a neat place. I've been once. I don't plan on going back. Yeah. Did Maybe. you crank up 50 Cent and just go with the flow? <laughs> no. Because I did, and that no. really helped my experience. When I was driving, well, I was riding a bus there. <laughs> I listened to a lot of System of a Down, stuff like that. Okay, that's fair. I, I didn't mean, crank 50 Cent. Well, I, I, for some reason, entered this mode after being amongst the most insane drivers I'd ever been around in a certain amount of time. Flipped through the radio and hit a rap station, and boys... I cranked the windows down and gripped the wheel, and it was on. You know, I was like, "I'm, right on. I'm one of you now, motherfucker." <laughs> All right. So we rolled Manhattan Wrong with dog. fucking oh, oh. Fifty Cent. <laughs> no, not Dmx. The Dmx, yeah. The game came on. Oh, uh, the game! Oh, yeah, Fire by yeah. the game was yeah. playing in New York City, and that sticks with me when I hear that song. I think of New York City with bright lights and all that shit. That's Death Row Records, mm-hmm. man. Dr. Dre. I have nothing to reference that. Yeah, well, Google, oh, Google's yeah. it. Nah, I'd rather not. <laughs> Get a life. So, guys, what's your all's favorite scene? Besides the finale? Besides sure. the finale, yeah, yeah. Obviously, that's the fucking shit. Yeah, that's the creme de la. Um, I mean, okay, so where do you classify the finale beginning at? In the car ride? Car ride. Okay, okay, right on. Oh, yeah. Okay. Because the car ride is the best yeah, it's, scene yeah, throughout it's, the movie. That dialogue's flawless. It's it's incredible. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a game of wits. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, what's your favorite scene? It, it's hard to go against the sloth scene. I hear you. The reaction yeah. of him just coughing and spasticking out or just going crazy and just very sporadic. and Shock. Yeah. It, that That's a really good one. You got came. That's same as me. I, I have that. I hear you. This is going to be unanimous. Then um, it's like I said, it's the biggest shock. Oh yeah. I got in 1995. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, no way you've seen it coming. Yeah. Honorable mention has to be Leland Orser's performance, uh, where he's being interrogated after the. I hear you. The yeah. Vagina Julian. Yeah, yeah. Like that. he's solid. Yeah. <laughs> Very effective. All right, so you alluded to the car scene, the uh, conversation on the way to our final showdown. Oh, yeah. Right. Uh, Kevin Spacey does not phone this in. <laughs> this no. is the opposite of phoned in. Dude, he, he this was is electric point. as soon as he walked in to the police Detective! station. Detective! Yeah. Oh, yeah. man, I'm You're telling you. You're looking for me. Yeah. Ugh. And he Jesus. just calmly gives up. owns this role. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Even if he is a dickhead in real life. Cause yeah, apparently he's dabbled in some uh, pretty unsavory stuff, but we'll we'll kind of, we'll just keep it to uh, yeah. this role specifically because, I mean, giving credit... I don't want to take it away, thing away from Yeah, him, because I mean, giving credit where it's due, I mean, this, this is 
Absolutely. Yeah, I Oscar-worthy performance. Do my best at separating personal beliefs on a person right. in their real life from their, their acting roles. And certainly, I think in a way, knowing how he is, you know, according to that... Maybe he didn't have it, to act so much. It makes, <laughs> well, it makes you feel like the role is more visceral because he really is, you know, a creep. <laughs> so let me, get, let me ask you guys this. So... You know, him talking in the back seat of the car, giving that speech about, you know, especially when he's breaking down, you know, the the actual sinners and everything. I, he makes I some kind sense. of fucking feel him, man. I hear what he's saying. I feel oh, yeah. what he's stepping in. He makes some sense, but They're I mean, he takes extreme measures. Sure, absolutely. Yes, but right. I get it. Where's the I line, drive you know? Fucking, I, shit drives me insane, too, yeah. man. I get sure. you. You're just acting upon urges. <laughs> sure. But man, holy shit. Yeah, it, this... It, it, this... So it makes me think, well, I, I got a little bit of a psycho in me. I, I guess, you know. Well, you yeah, do, he, he completely down. Button. He completely downgrades him. You know, Brad Pitt does. And, you know, calling him a total loon, you know, yeah, psychopath, psychopath and yeah. nutcase. And, and he's just completely... I don't know, like, he's losing a fucking mental battle here with him. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Brad Pitt battle. lost that battle. Oh, sure. yeah. Absolutely. Yep. And I he figure he knows it. He's getting, it's getting under his skin. I mean, this whole Wrath ending is building from that moment. <laughs> yeah, he played him, Spacey played him like a fiddle. Man. Absolutely. And, and Morgan Freeman knew it. I mean, yeah. Somerset knew it the entire way. I mean, Well, here's just, the thing. Mills opened the door up, though, for it. He did. Yeah. Yeah. Plain simple. Yeah, this was just yeah flawless performance with Kevin Spacey. Probably. Yep. If we're going to rank his performances, yeah, this is one of the Oh, man, top this five. American Beauty for sure. <laughs> American Beauty is my usual top three. Suspects. Usual suspects, absolutely. For sure. This is, this is, better, this is better than that for and, me. And, well, House of Cards, man. Frank Underwood, that shit was awesome. I never watched um, that. I liked him in 21, you know, I the poker movie. That was a fun or movie. Blackjack movie. Yeah, as a professor. Yeah. Slimy guy. He was the same... Yeah, well, you know. It's Kevin Spacey. Yeah. Okay, so the big question. If you were Mills, everything that had happened, would you have done the same? Sayonara. Don't. Sayonara, though. You're done. Unanimous. You gotta go. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I can't see it going any other way. I'll live with my son. Yeah. The the Can't fact that he anymore. found out in that moment, right after finding out that his wife was pregnant, was dead. Yeah. She was pregnant. That's like, what killed it. You Spacey know? just looking over and just so calmly like, oh, oh he smirked he a little know. bit, and it's just man. Oh my god, dude! Uh, Honestly, that might be the moment during this whole fucking finale that might that I think that sells it right there, yes. because I feel like that. That was the tipping point. He shined him on. Like yeah. I said, John Doe played Mills like a fool, man. He played everybody. Like yeah, he a did. Fool, you know? Except for Somerset. But. Still, you know? It wouldn't have mattered. It wouldn't have mattered. Mills wasn't going to listen. Yeah, this was a. <laughs> I don't blame him for not listening. <laughs> Seriously. A flawless execution of a. Very scientific murder spree. <laughs> I mean, they really 
put the pieces of the puzzle together in you know two hour and five minute time frame I think wasn't it two hour seven yeah two seven okay and the interesting thing about this is this is the only on screen murder you see yep. the entire yeah. movie with a body count yep. of eight yep. you see a bunch of bodies yep you just see the aftermath but this is the only murder you see six shots he shot him six <laughs> times he did he shot him in the head first huh? he did he did <laughs> yeah yeah game over right and here's the thing once he you know the baby drop came and oh, dude more uh, Somerset just looks over it. he he knows it's 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 communicated it's he he's knew. done he, he knows he's gonna fucking kill him there's nothing he can say John Doe's Nothing. prophecy fulfilled. Yep. Grim. Hmm. No other way to end it, though. Well, yes, there was. There they was were, an alternate ending. There's no way there they could have topped this, I don't think. There was an alternate ending to this. Yeah. Yep. yep. There's a reason they didn't use it. Well, because Brad Pitt pushed for it, and he said he wouldn't fucking do the movie, I think. Yeah. And Morgan Freeman was pretty adamant with uh, yeah. with Brad Pitt in this, and uh I guess Morgan Freeman, he said that he remembered the original ending having Somerset shoot John Doe instead of Mills. And he actually liked this ending, and he was reasoning that the younger detective would still have a life after the right. events of you know the film. But Brad Pitt argued that Mills, he, he, has, to, right. he has to shoot He's John got Doe nothing in the left. End. He has nothing left. Because, you know, I mean, Mills has already shown that he doesn't do the right thing. You know, he does the thing of passion, which is the one thing that... He leads with emotion. Exactly. Hyper-emotion. Yeah. And, um, you know, uh, there was a rewrite uh, where the film involved the kidnapping of uh, uh, Mills from John Doe. Mm -hmm. And Somerset discovered that John Doe was raised by an abusive priest and a church orphanage and he finally traces Doe to a decrepit church decorated with artwork depicting the seven deadly sins where Doe is intent on making Somerset uh, murder him out of vengeance eh. and as Somerset arrives uh, Doe has uh, cut a cross in Mill's chest suspended him above an altar and he shoots him Mills dies in Somerset arms as the church is set on fire Doe and Somerset they engage in a shootout with Somerset wounding Doe and letting him die in the flames, and the script ends with Mills's funeral. Hmm. I like what we got. Yeah, yeah, that sounds. It's a little pretty over it's the top. Too much. Yeah. Too much. This is a this is a complex story, but it's simple. in simple times, yeah. you know, it really is. Yeah, so. I agree. Keep it simple. Stupid. It, it yeah. didn't yeah. need to be that complex, right? You know, no. I the ending we got honestly was that was yeah. the right choice. And even not showing the head and everything—that's great. I'm you fine know, with just, it. Yeah, that's just the point where less is more. Less is more. You know, take a lesson from John Carpenter for Halloween. Just imagining, you know, losing his wife that's pregnant with his child. Well, and if for it's anybody who still enough. hasn't caught on, it's you're going to be blown away here in about thirty seconds. You know, right? So, kudos to Fincher. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. I'm glad they pushed for it. Yeah, I agree. So. Like we said, the city that this movie takes place in has to be the worst city on the fucking planet. <laughs> Seriously. Everybody and everything is fucking miserable throughout the whole film. Every time, every time I go to watch this, I wish I could go back and watch it as it is my first time. Because, mm. man, I want that feeling back. I really do. I envy you, Wait Dave. 25 years. Hold on, yeah, well, I, <laughs> I don't... 
wait 25 years to watch this film, though. I watch it, it pretty often, I'm actually. Just, I've just found that mark for me. And I can't get that shit back. So, you know, I envy you. That is my sin for today, I guess. All right. And nice. damn it. Damn it. <laughs> the patience and... Appreciate the, being envied once. Yeah. Man. Dude. <laughs> I envy your art and your uh, willpower to not watch this movie for 25 years. Don't make me a nurse. Don't yeah. make me a narcissist. No. <laughs> that's a, that's another sin, brother. <laughs> the patience and the willpower to plan and to commit these acts of sin amongst the sinners is truly incredible. You know, to execute flawlessly to the day when they find Victor the sloth. Mm. It, it's man, it's mastermind. It's genius. You know, I, I, it's kind of jigsaw like almost. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Jigsaw yeah. for Jigsaw. For Jigsaw. I, oh, yeah, absolutely. I Could would be, agree with yeah. that. Sure. Yeah. Um, when Somerset um, and Mills are in the shower room, you're shaving their chest to put the wire on. Um, <laughs> like someone's shaving his nipple off and get yeah. warm mm-hmm. and Yeah, that's funny as shit. <laughs> yeah. But when Somerset tells Mills that if uh, John Doe's head splits open and an alien comes out, he would want him to expect it. You know? Yet with this ending, there's no fucking way Mills could have expected that, you know? Especially with the twist of the baby, you know? So, beautiful writing. And I want to know, does Somerset retire or not at the end of this movie? I want to know. I know you said he was going to be around. I don't think he does because of that. And I feel like because of the remark that Arlie Ermy, the captain, makes Mm -hmm. to him when uh, Mills is sitting in the back of the cop car, he's like, well, something to the effect of, well, you did a good job watching him. You know? Like, right. well, fuck you, man. Right. What did you do? <laughs> you know? I mean, come on. I feel like that was a little unfair, but with Somerset being the type of person that he is and, you know, just taking on the burden and mm-hmm. shouldering the load, I don't think he retired. I I do think he retired. Dude, there's okay. no fucking way I would continue working after that. Just Man, dude, that's, I'm out. Dude, the, evil one. Evil one. Chaos wins this game, man. You know? I'm, this was a different one to... I mean, difficult one to fantasy book because the ending does leave you with plenty of questions of how they continue, sure. either one of them, how they proceed from this point. Yeah, right. So, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of emotion they got to wrap up and put a bow on and move on or else, you know, mm-hmm. go into a spin cycle. And it's a good way to retire because he did use his gun that day. It was the first time he ever fired his weapon. Oh, yeah. He fired yeah, it up in the air true. to stop the van. So, I don't know. I think he, I don't think, I think he retired. Okay. I think yeah. he retired. Cool. I'd say that'd be the best. Movie. But, um, no, um, I agree with Brad Pitt. This movie is about as you know, perfect movies you can get when it comes to psychological crime thrillers. I like it. Okay. I'll call it that. Yeah. Guys, this is a nine for me. I mean this is a this is a yearly watch. Hell yeah. If not multi times, you know, in a year I watch this movie. I quote it sometimes, you know, I still do the I do the ending with Brad Pitt, you know, when he's Oh God, oh God mm-hmm. and he point the gun and stuff, you know. I mess around with that at the house, you know, right. um, <laughs> whenever certain situations arise, you know, so. That's funny. Um, 
But yeah, man, nine out of ten for the oh, yeah, almost rang the bell for me. Almost. Hell yeah, man. <laughs> On that curve scale, yeah, definitely. <laughs> that curved NHP scale. All right. Well, for catching at least. Right. <laughs> man, that's pretty only cool. for you. <laughs> man, that's pretty close to my rating. I, I I like this movie way more than I remembered, and I I thought you know it was a good movie from my 25 year recollection. I don't know why I hadn't rewatched it since. I don't have a good excuse for that, but uh, yeah, I guarantee it'll be something I'll rewatch again Hell sooner yeah. than 25 years. Hell yeah. Yeah, as far as their performances, man, this is some of their best work of all time. Again, probably top three for both Morgan Freeman and Brad Pitt. Yeah, definitely. I hear you. Morgan Freeman's just more of a sympathetic character, and Shawshank, it's, he's the lovable, you know. Oh yeah, perfect Red. human being performance. Yeah, so it's hard to it's hard to top that one, but boy, this is probably second for him on me. Sure, with obviously driving Miss Daisy following very close behind. No, this is a nine point five for me. Wow, I like it a lot. Ooh, nine point five. Yeah. That's not even spiteful. I feel yeah. that that's genuine nine point yeah. five. That is heartfelt. Hell yeah, that is sincere. This is the most enjoyment I've gotten from a rewatch. Maybe ever. Yeah. Hell yeah, dude. Hey, that's nice. Yeah. That's awesome, dude. Like I said, man, I envy you. I want, it, I want that feeling, yeah. you know, when I first watched this film. I want that back. Ugh. Damn it. Yeah. yeah. It only happens once or twice in a lifetime. Right. So this was one of mine. From that very first watch, I was completely fascinated with this nasty and dirty urban landscape that Fincher provides us. Uh, this always kind of reminded me of a slightly more ramped up Silence of the Lambs, you know, <laughs> yeah. seemingly cut from the same cloth. And then I figured out that Howard Shore, who also composed Silence of the Lambs, composed music for this movie, it kind of made a little more sense right. at that point. Um, I really love the fact that Rob Bottin, uh is at the helm here with the special effects. I mean, he did yeah. work with John Carpenter's The Thing, The Howling, Robocop, Total Recall. Yeah. I mean, you know, just... Victor's makeup took like 14 hours right. to do that. So Yeah, just master-level craftsmanship, and it's so disgusting. It's just amazing work. It really yeah. is. And the trifecta that we get with Morgan Freeman, Brad Pitt, and Kevin Spacey, uh, it's just... Uh, I mean, even though the, the list of actors, like we talked about, you know, that passed on this or were even considered for these roles would have been impressive and kind of an interesting take. Yeah. They got it right here. Yeah. Yeah. This is perfect casting. You know, um, just like Janelle said, the, the entire car ride during the finale with John Doe and Mills and Somerset, that's cinematic gold. Brad Pitt's performance after John Doe tells, uh, tells him that he cut off Tracy's head and then he realizes that she was pregnant was mm -hmm. just an amazing display of emotion. Just Oscar-worthy stuff, in my opinion. And uh, I told Ketchum, you know, that uh, prior to this rewatch, because it's it's been a little while, I'm going to say within five years, but uh, my rating was subject to change, and it did. Hmm. Uh, Can only go up. Yeah, well... Uh, th this movie, it, it's an unnerving, grim look into the mind of a otherwise normal person that's kind of gone off the deep end and had become totally engulfed in their own twisted beliefs and ideologies. Mm -hmm. 
But this is an absolute must-see if you're a fan of the uh, psychological crime thrillers. Is that what we're going to call that? Yeah, we'll do that. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And uh, this is arguably one of the best there is. Yeah, absolutely. My rating... This is NHP approved, I think. Oh, it's going to be. My yeah. rating went up from an 8.5 out of 10 to a 9 out of 10. Oh, man. Yeah. NHP approved. Big gold stamp, stamp approved, yeah. Platinum. Oh, yeah. This, this movie is just... Man, it's a gut punch. It mm-hmm. is dirty. It is grimy. When Denzel Washington said that this was just a just a dark and evil movie, yeah, he was yeah. right. It really is. And and not I, too many I movies. Love, I love this movie for that. Not too many movies where evil prevails. Yeah, there are. Well, and that's one thing you know. New Line they they really wanted to kind of draw back the ending, kind of pad it up, and I'm of course they did. Honestly, I got mad respect for Brad Pitt and even Morgan Freeman for standing by Fincher and just no, we're doing it this way, mm-hmm. and that's why this movie stands out. That's why this movie has a fucking ninety five percent audience score, right? You know, yeah. No, I'm not gonna lie to you. I I stopped the movie halfway through and took a shower. And then by the end of the movie, when I came back, I felt like I needed another shower. It's, that's that's it how is. that movie made me feel. I'm telling you, man, it is, it's it's a nasty, grimy movie, man. It really is. But I love it. It's one of the best movies coming out of the 90s. Absolutely. Yep. Nobody's disagreeing here. Hell yeah. All right, Hitchhikers, make sure you check out our friends Justin Ramsey and Aaron Scaletta over at Raised in Horror, the Psycho Siblings podcast, where they review all things horror all the time. Hell yeah. Absolutely love their analysis of Friday the 13th Part 6, Jason Lives. Yep, very uh, good episode. Debut episode. It, it, it was awesome. It really was. Listeners, you got to check them out. Um, you can find them on Facebook and on Twitter at Raised in Horror and also on Instagram. And if you listen to our bonus episode that we released on the 4th of July, you already know this because Justin teased this to you. But for episode 2, they are reviewing Joe Dante's Piranha from 1978, coming to you Thursday, July 23rd, from the Psycho Siblings Raised in Horror Podcast. Find them on your favorite podcasting app now, horror movie fans. This concludes our review of Seven from 1995. We hope you all enjoyed our breakdown of the shocking and gritty 90s crime thriller. Be on the lookout for new announcements and updates, and make sure you visit the King Art Facebook page where you can find all kinds of amazing artwork from the King himself. And if you feel real ambitious, you can also check out the King's and my own letterbox profiles. King's is Patriarch1979, and mine is Matlog16. Do those ratings ever change? For you guys? Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I'll change them. Cool. I yeah. update. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. The Lord Ketchum is pending on Letterboxd. Yeah. You got to get on that, man. I'm telling you. It, it's, I'm not going to say it's life changing, but it's kind of life changing. It'll give you something to do for a couple of days. I barely know how to work a Google machine. You know I mean? <laughs> so, you want me to rate things on the internet? You're, you're, you're not. <laughs> in quarantine land, sometimes you're sitting on the sofa or the. Yeah. Lazy boy, and you got your phone, and I'm usually you ran out of Facebook to look like at. So. Okay, well, I'll just <laughs> in the instance that you were, too. I'm old time. I'm old school, man. Need something to do on your phone. That's that's an option. Okay, but you can email the show at nostalgia highway podcast at gmail dot com, and our Twitter handle is at highway nhp. We'd love to hear from you, hitchhikers. So hit us up. 
And once again, the three of us want to give recognition and thanks to Sean Jackson and Cody Jones for the theme music they have graciously allowed us to use for the show. Thank you, guys. It's awesome. Join us next time when we will review the second and last Hitchhiker's Choice selection for July. It was chosen by Justin Ramsey. It beat out Christopher Nolan's Memento from 2000 to make the final cut. It's arguably the greatest horror anthology of all time. Of course, I'm talking about 1982's creep show from Horrormeister extraordinaires George A. Romero and Stephen King. Hitchhikers won some popular films this month. Yeah, <laughs> this is exciting. I'm I'm totally all in and excited Our to finally anthology. review an anthology yeah, movie, man. Anthology. Yeah, I'm all great. in on this. I can't wait. It makes me want to do more anthologies, right? <laughs> But on behalf of the Lord Ketchum and Dave, King of the Road, I'm your host, the Merrimack Logston, and we thank you once again for hitching a ride along with us, and we'll pick you up next time, out on the highway. Sorry. 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 Yes, I am. I am. I'm fucking sorry. uh, What's the call for unintentional? Foul. <laughs> well, there's no usually, unintentional. yeah, there's not. It, um, okay, well. <laughs> usually with an unintentional. Well, there's no unintentional. I'll say there is no unintentional. <laughs> Football is intentional. Or, yeah. yeah. Well, that sounds Either like you something did there should be. Or you didn't. Intentional grounding, you know. Okay. All right. <laughs> did I intentionally ground I, that I, one? I, I don't know, man. No, I unintentionally <laughs> grounded that one. My head was down. I was. Clearing my throat. I'm sorry. Goddamn. This fucking guy. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry, I blew up. <laughs> yeah, might as well.